Okay, so I have a question for you, and it might sound a little bit provocative. In fact, some of you might be like, this guy, and you're going to want to change the channel, but stick with me. I hope you'll stay with me. Help me think through this question. Is God an environmentalist? I mean, just remove all the baggage, forget all the political stuff, all the agenda stuff, everything. I mean, good and bad, just, but forget all that. Just is God an environmentalist, meaning an environmentalist, someone who is concerned for or an advocate for protecting the environment. Does God care about protecting the environment? Does God care about this physical world? I mean, I don't think I have to convince you that God cares about the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, but what about the physical? Does, does God care about creation? Does God care, for example, does God care about Climate change? Make it more personal. Is God concerned with how we care for creation? Does God care if you recycle? I mean, does God really care how much we water our lawn? Does God care if you drive a hybrid? I don't know, but that's what I want to get into today. So if you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on, go to Genesis chapter 1, right there at the beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, and I can hear some of you you're going, this, this isn't a sermon. This doesn't sound like a sermon topic. This sounds like a political thing. This sounds like a rant. This guy's got an agenda. And just what I would say to you is, is no. Instead, we're in this sermon series, and we've gone back to the beginning of the Bible. We've gone back to creation, to the beginning of the story, and we're asking, what does God say is our purpose? What is his intended design for our lives? And so, no agenda at all. Actually I, actually, I do have an agenda. My agenda is this. What does Scripture say? I want to look at what does Scripture say because it turns out that the Bible actually has a ton to say about how God feels and interacts with our material, physical world. See, in the 21st century, in this postmodern world that we're living in, especially post-industrial revolution, we have sort of divided everything into two categories. We believe that there is a spiritual realm that is religion, that is spirituality, that is faith, that is everything that you believe about God and heaven and hell and forgiveness and sin and all that stuff. That's over here sort of in the spiritual realm. And we, we put that over here and of course God is, is concerned about that. But then we also have this second category. This is the physical realm. This is just the real world stuff. This is business and finance and industry and culture and politics. It's just the everyday stuff. And what we've done is we've divorced the two. Spiritual stuff over here, the, 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 the fuzzy, warm relationship stuff, spirituality, faith, religion over here. But then real life, hard data, numbers, science, we've put over here, we've divorced the spiritual and the physical. My question is, is that biblical? Is that what God designed? That God would be sort of over here, he'll deal, deal with the spiritual, but he doesn't really care about the physical world. He's not so much concerned about creation. So that's what I wanna get into. Again, we're in this series, we've gone back to the beginning, back to creation, and said, why did God make us? What is God's design for us? And we're looking at how God interacts with us and how he wants us to interact with his creation. And specifically, we're gonna talk about his physical creation, the environment. 
And maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you're thinking, we don't need to have a sermon on the physical world, on creation. God's really concerned with the spiritual realm, but not so much the physical. If that's what you're thinking, I would just challenge you to listen for a few minutes. Because what do you do with some of these verses? Let me, let me read for you. Let's jump in. Genesis 1, and let's just start in verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We saw this last week. We are made in God's image. We are an expression of God. We're like little reflections of God, his character and his love. Listen to verse 28. It says God blessed them. And I've always found that just really incredible, that God's first move towards Humanity is to bless because don't we sometimes think of God as like angry grandpa up in the sky? He's waiting to hit us with lightning bolts when we screw up. But no, that's not the picture that the Bible paints. God's default response, his primary response is to bless us. It's incredible. It says, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and, underline this word, subdue it. And this next word as well, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, and I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Underline, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. He says, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and he said it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, and that was the sixth day. There is this really important thing that happens here. God gives us an assignment. Did you catch it? So remember, creation, God is creating from day one, God creates the sun and the moon and the stars and God creates the oceans and the lakes and the rivers and the streams and God creates the land and he forms mountains and he, he makes fields and he calls forth, he speaks forth vegetation so that trees will grow and, and bushes and shrubs and grass and then he, he makes animals and finally we get to day six and God makes humanity. And then he gives us an assignment. He tells us our job. He says the primary task of mankind is to rule over creation. That's what he says. He says, here, I, I made this. I want you to rule over it. He says, right there, he says what? Fill the earth. He says, have babies. And remember, this is written to all of humanity, not to individuals. So it doesn't mean that everyone is going to have children. Jesus is the perfect human being, and Jesus didn't have kids. The Bible says, fill the earth. God says, have babies and rule over creation. And he uses this really strong language. He uses the word subdue it, like make it your subject. So think about this for a second, because last week we walked into creation. We talked about creation. Think about all the things that God has made. Think about how vast creation is. God made the barrier reef. And you think about how beautiful it is, and you think about how all the sea life that is there. 
And it's incredible. God made the Grand Canyon. And when you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you can see for miles, and it's majestic, and it's awe-inspiring, and it's almost too big to take in. God made the lushness of the Amazon rainforest where we're still identifying species. There are so many animals that we're still finding new things. It's incredible. He made all of this majestic, beautiful creation, this world. And he also made things like the naked mole rat. I don't know why he made that, but he did. And have you seen the blobfish? I don't know what the deal with that thing is, but God thought we needed it. And so this is all the stuff that God made. He makes creation and he goes here. It's good. He makes it and he hands it to us. And he says, your assignment, your job, I have this job for you. You're gonna rule over. And God could have given us any job. God could have said, here's your task, human beings, for all of time, for all of eternity. I need you to count the grains of sand in the ocean. Like, he could have done that. He's God. He could do whatever he wants. But he goes, no, I, I made this thing. And it's, it's good. And here it is. Take care of it. Manage it. That's your job. And the irony of all of this is that we've turned it into a political issue. Because we've said, oh, sure, God, God cares about the spiritual realm. The Bible talks all about the spiritual realm. Love and forgiveness. It tells us about heaven and hell. It tells us about God's love and God's character and all the spiritual realm and, and salvation and everything that we need to know in the religious stuff but not the physical world. We'll leave the physical world to things like science and politics, really? As if God is separate from science? As if God is separate from politics? I mean, really? God says, this is the task of mankind, to co-rule with me over all of creation. Listen to what he says. These are not my words, these are God's words. Listen to this, Psalm 24, verse one. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I think we read that and we go, okay, that makes sense. Cool, okay, God made it, it's his, got it, that's good. But then add in Psalm 115 that says, the earth God has given to mankind. But what about Psalm eight, verse six? It says that you have given men and women dominion over the works of your hands. You hear that? God made it, but then he gave it to us to rule over. He says, here's this thing I made. It's incredible. You take care of it. And what is so unbelievable about God, in the midst of all the assignments he gives, that he chooses this one, what's so unbelievable is that God just doesn't go, here, you, you do it, you take care of it. He's going to spend large chunks of scripture telling us how. It's not just, yeah, go take care of it. He actually instructs us how we're to care for creation. I mean, right away, he goes into the next part, right? And he, he develops this system of what human beings and what animals are going to eat, right? The very next verse, after he gives this assignment, God says, all right, so you've got trees, You've got fruit and you've got plants that grow seeds. Those are yours, human beings. Those are yours to eat. And then you've got grasses and shrubs and, and that's what the, what the animals are gonna eat. Very specific. 
And please don't email me and ask me whether or not Adam and Eve were vegans. Okay, I don't know. And don't ask me if we're gonna have bacon in heaven. Like, I hope so, that's cool. I don't think that God is laying out a theology of dietary requirements here. I think what we're getting is that God is so concerned with the details, he actually gets in there and he describes what he wants us to do. It's incredible the detail that he goes into. And it goes on from there. There are other places in the Bible where God describes how we should care for creation, how we should perform this task of caring for the world. So in Leviticus, God says, all right, you're all farmers, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your land ready, and I want you to chop it up into various parts, and I want you to plant it, and it's gonna rain, and your crop is gonna grow, and you're gonna harvest it and eat it. Good. And then the next year, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to plant it, and it's gonna rain, and the crop is gonna come up, and you're gonna eat it. You're gonna harvest it and eat the crop. Great. And then you're gonna do that again the next year, and you're gonna do that again the next year. You're gonna do it for six years. But on the seventh year, you're not gonna plant anything in one of those fields. You're gonna give that field a rest. Why? Because God knows that the soil needs to rest. It needs to lay fallow. It needs to rejuvenate. God is so concerned with how we care for creation that he tells us how to farm the land. And any farmer will tell you, this is true. This is what you have to do. The soil needs to re rejuvenate so it's full of nutrients. God explains to us how to care for the land so that the land will also care for us. In Deuteronomy, there's another passage where God describes how to care for the land. He says, all right, farmers, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna plant your fields and it's gonna rain and the crop is gonna come up and you're gonna go out and you're gonna harvest it. But don't harvest all of it. Leave a little bit on the edges. And as you're harvesting all your crop and you've got it all, if you drop a few pieces, just leave it, because as travelers come through, they might be hungry, and this will give them something to eat. God is teaching us how to care for the land, how to care for creation, so the creation will care for us. It's incredible. Here's one more, and I, I promise you, this is a verse that you would just skip over every time you read it. Deuteronomy 25, verse four, listen to this. It says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out grain. Okay, listen, let's be honest. We're, we're skipping right past this when we read our Bibles, right? But what's going on here? So in the ancient world, in the Middle East, in Africa, there's no farming equipment. So what would they do? They would take a giant ox and they would get a big stone and they'd tie it around, tie it to the ox to follow behind him. And the, and the ox would just walk back and forth across the threshing floor. And as he walked and as he dragged that stone, it would break up the grain and then they could go in and collect the seed. Well, what is that ox going to do if left to his own device? That lazy fat ox is just gonna eat everything, right? He's gonna be munching on all the grain as he goes along. And so the inclination of farmers was like, okay, we'll outsmart him. We'll muzzle this ox so that he can't eat our crop. God goes, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. That ox is working. That ox deserves to eat. And you'll have plenty of crop. God's like, I'll take care of you. You'll have plenty of grain. I mean, isn't it incredible that God would describe in such detail how 
we care for the land, how we care for this physical world, that he's concerned with feeding an ox? I mean, it's incredible. And you did not wake up today thinking you'd hear a sermon about muzzling an ox, but that makes a good sermon, right? Deuteronomy 25. Do you get it? Do you see that God is actually pretty serious about this stuff, that we can't divorce the physical world and the spiritual world? We can't say, oh, of course God is concerned with the spiritual realm, but the physical world, we're just gonna leave that to all the tree huggers. No, God goes, you can't separate the two. He brings the physical and the spiritual world together, and God has given us this task of caring for creation, of bringing these two things together. Did you know this was in the creation story? That if we go back to the beginning, that God lays out this task really crystal clear for us to care for the physical world? I don't think we talk about this stuff very much. But I wanna push into it. I wanna keep going for a few minutes and, 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 and lean into this a little bit. And I wanna try and understand why. I wanna get at God's heart. Why is God concerned? that we care for this physical world, that we care for his creation. Not just that he cares, but why does he care? What is God's heart? And I will just tell you, you're gonna have to work out what this means for you, okay? I, I'm not here to tell you, like I'm not gonna tell you, you gotta go get rid of that gas-guzzling SUV, okay? Like I'm not gonna do that, and we're gonna make a deal. You're not gonna come to my house and go through my garbage and be like, well, this is recyclable. How did this get here? Okay, we're not gonna do that. But let's talk about why God cares so much for the environment and why he cares that you and I are concerned with it. So here we go, write a few things down. Number one is that creation displays the goodness and the glory of God. So listen to this, Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Romans 1.20 in the New Living Translation says, For since, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, he, qualities his eternal power, and his divine nature. This is certainly not to say that God is creation or that creation is God, but to say that creation speaks of God's goodness. So when you look at a starry night sky and you see the vastness and you see the majesty of it, you're reminded of how big God is and how incredibly powerful he is. If he can make that, what can't he do? When you feel the wind brush against your face, you're reminded of God's power and God's presence. When you're driving in your car and all of a sudden traffic is backed up, there's just a line of cars and you don't know what everybody's waiting for and you kind of look around and you see a mama goose and she's walking across the road and she's got those fuzzy furry little babies behind her. We're reminded that God is nurturer and God is protector. When the trees blossom and grow leaves in the spring. When just a few months ago, they had dropped all those leaves and those trees looked dead. It's a reminder to us that even when we can't see what's going on, God is working. 
When that tree looks dead, it's a reminder. People thought Jesus was dead too, but he's alive. Creation is boasting God's majesty, speaking to the goodness and glory of God. This is where the physical and the spiritual intersect. See, there are many people who care about the earth. There are many people who Mother Earth is their God, and their goal in life is to protect her. Listen, I'm from Oregon, okay? We, we invented environmentalism. We, we are home of tree huggers, okay? But here's the problem with most of the arguments that we have about environmentalism and conservation. We make it about us. Oh, we have to save the planet for us. We have to save the planet for the next generation when I'm here to tell you it's not really about us at all. This is about God. Caring for creation isn't about your glory or mine or, or our comfort or our security. This is about God's glory. That's our motivation. If the heavens and the earth exist to declare the glory of God, then we should be fighting to protect this world, not for our own sake and certainly not for some political agenda, but because of God's glory. God made it. He made it so that we would see his goodness and he handed it over. He said, you manage it, but you better manage it like it belongs to me. You better manage it like it's for my glory. When you go for a walk, when you look at the sky, the heavens and the earth declare the goodness and the glory of God. Second reason we care for creation is that caring for creation is caring for people. So Jesus says the greatest command is what? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Is caring for creation loving your neighbor? Is caring for the physical world, is that loving your neighbor? When you take time, let's just make it small. When you take time to mow your lawn and pull your weeds and, and, and prune your trees, whatever you do, is that caring for your neighbor? I actually think so, because your neighbor doesn't want to open their front door and see eight foot of weeds across the street. Your neighbor doesn't want their home value to plummet because you have a washer and dryer in your front yard, right? Like this is caring for our neighbor. This is loving our neighbor. Maybe a better illustration. I have a friend who goes to Africa and he builds wells. There are so many places there that don't have drinkable water. And so he goes there and he builds wells. Is that Loving your neighbor? Boy, I think so. Caring for creation, tapping into the resources that God has given us and using them appropriately? Loving your neighbor? Absolutely. To give families drinkable water? I think so. And by the way, oftentimes they make relationships with these communities and they end up preaching the gospel to them. The physical and the spiritual coming together. See, I think so often... Christians, we're so spiritually focused. I've heard, even heard people say, you know, this world's all gonna burn up anyways. What's the point? What's the point? People, people are the point. If we just treat it like garbage and we, you know, you're polluting water and downstream those people don't have drinkable water anymore, that's not loving our neighbor. Sometimes we start to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, but we can actually explore creation and science, and we can do things like advanced farming techniques. 
and master mining operations and conserve water in a way that helps people. And our task to care for creation comes crashing into loving and living like Jesus and the physical and the spiritual intersect with each other. Last reason. I think this is the big reason why God tasks us with caring for creation. It's because God is a God who turns chaos into order. This is what God does. He brings about order to what is chaotic. He did it from the beginning of time, the foundations of the world. That is the story of creation. God is bringing order to things. Before creation, the earth, the Bible says, was formless and void. There was no order. The seas raged. What did God do? He brought order. He created ecosystems. He created plants and animals and and human beings, scientific laws, and he made order to things, and he calls us to be a part of it. We're going to see this in a couple weeks. God actually tells man to name the animals. We get to be a part of it because we are made in God's image. And so we are also agents of order. This is God's method to turn chaos into order. He did it at creation. He did it through Jesus Christ. In the beginning, everything was perfect, but we sinned and we brought sin into the world. We brought chaos into the world. What does God do? He sends Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ dies on a cross and and comes back to life to establish a new covenant, a new system, order, that will bring us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He brings order to things. He'll do it again. The Bible gives us a picture of eternity. It's a picture of order. There's no chaos. Revelation says there's no crying, there's no mourning, there's no sadness, there's no death, there's no sickness, there's no pain. Why? It says the old things, the old order has passed away and for eternity there is no chaos. It is peace. It is order. Listen to this. Isaiah gets a vision from God about eternity. Listen to what Isaiah writes. He says the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling will be together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy one another for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. There will be order to things. No fear, no chaos, just order and peace. That's what God wants for us. But he wants it spiritually, of course. He wants us to not have chaos between God and us, but, but, but peace and order, but he also wants it in our physical world. He wants order in our environment and our government and our schools and our relationships with each other. And while that may not fully be realized this side of heaven, God is calling us to be agents of order in a dark and chaotic world. We can work, we can fight to bring order to things, that there would be peace, that there would be opportunity and equality for all people, that there would be justice, that there would be goodness, that there would be order, and that God would receive glory. But as long as we ignore our role in this physical world in caring for creation, as long as we politicize this and we concern ourselves only with the spiritual, 
We're missing our assignment. So what do you think? Is God an environmentalist? Maybe he cares about creation. Maybe he's concerned and advocates for the physical world. Should we? I mean, what should we be doing with this? Maybe you've never thought of creation like this. Maybe you've never thought of the physical world as even being your problem. Maybe you've never seen caring for creation as your assignment. If that's new to you, if it challenges you a little bit, good, me too. But that's how we grow. God says to rule, to subdue creation. Maybe we can't get our minds around that today. Maybe that feels too big. Maybe that conjures images of fixing massive things like starvation in third world countries or, or again, climate change or these really big things. But can we go small? Just for a second, let's go small. What about your world? Are you caring for your world? Are you a good steward of the things that God has given you, of your physical world? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe even with what you have, you're You're not a good manager. Maybe you've never seen this as a spiritual issue before, that perhaps how you care for things in the physical realm is related to the spiritual realm. Maybe today you ask God to show you those things, to help you with that. Maybe today we as the body of Christ stop seeing everything through a stinking political lens and we see it through God's lens and through God's words. We understand his design for us because I'm telling you, there is nothing political about loving your neighbor and there is nothing political about being obedient to God. I think we better get on God's side on this and start thinking about defending this incredible place that he has created. Maybe today this is all too much for you, it's okay. Maybe today what you needed to hear is simply about God, that God is a God who turns messiness, who turns chaos into order because maybe your life is a mess. It's okay. My encouragement to you is run, run to Jesus. And I know he feels like he's far off, but he's not. He's so close and he knows what's going on in your life. And he knows everything you need. Run to him. Fall down at the feet of Jesus and watch. He will bring order to what is chaotic in your life. I want to finish just by reading a short section of a psalm. This is from Psalm 96. Here's what it says. It says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for you. Let all of creation rejoice before the Lord. Pray with me. God, it's really difficult to think about the way our spiritual lives intersect with 
this physical world. It's easy to only think of the spiritual side, to only think of religion and our faith, and to forget that in a real way it intersects with the physical world, and the proof is Jesus, that Jesus took on flesh, and he came here to live in the physical world because you care about all of creation, God. People, all the beautiful things that you have made. God, get us on your side. Forgive us for making these things political, agenda-driven. Help us to see through your eyes. God, may we start to see the mountains differently, the sky differently, trees and leaves and flowers differently. May we start to see your glory and your goodness everywhere. And God, would you help us to be motivated to care for this world? It's our assignment, not for our comfort, not for our security, Certainly not for our glory, but God, for yours. We don't always see things like this. This is not easy. God, would you help us? Thank you for being a God who brings about order where there is chaos. Thank you for proving that in your son, Jesus. God, now where there is any chaos in our lives, we surrender it to you and we ask, would you bring about order? Would you bring about order today in our country? in our community, in our neighborhoods. God, we need you. God, we thank you that you're so good. We thank you that this world speaks of your majesty, just gives us glimpses of your glory, and yet we look forward to the day, Jesus, that we will see you face to face. It's in your name we pray, amen.